eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Rick, how many days? Sorry, nine? Eight. Today's Wednesday. Eight. Eight. Eight days. Eight days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 39. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman, our general manager. Today, Rick, joined by our guy, our cornerback, Bryant McFadden, because we're talking about some defensive backs in this draft class, our top five at safety, our top five at cornerback. BMAC, two-time Super Bowl chant with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The number one cornerback cor- coming out of high school, Rick, before he went to Florida State. Yeah. Balled out there. I, I got to make a comment, BMAC. I was in a lot of camps. I didn't have jerseys like yours in the background. Mine were just mesh shirts because I didn't make it out of camp. I got cut so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of mesh. Should I hang up my mesh jersey, practice jerseys? <laughs> Hey, and also, many- too, Rick, they, they kind of change up the material since you've been playing as well. So even the practice <laughs> jerseys are pretty decent. They're, they're good material nowadays, you know what I mean? So you, they're not rocking the Russell. You probably wore, wore Russell, didn't you? They're Russell, spot belt shoes. Yeah. Spot belt shoes. <laughs> yes, like, yeah. yeah. My jerseys look like fishnet. <laughs> yeah. They're like the, the uh, pennies that the kids wear now, like for practice. Uh, did you have to wear your spot belt leather shoes? Did you have to wear them in the shower to break them in? Is that how you have to do it, Rick? Yeah, no, we used to uh, put them in. We used to wash them, wash them in the uh, uh, machine. I love you caught yourself with that Midwestern accent. Just like the um, kickers used to do. They used yeah. to put the uh, balls before they, before when they were allowed to doctor the balls. Mm. I remember kickers going in and taking the game balls that they were going to kick, uh, putting in the washing machine and putting them in the dryer than having a seesaw with two 50-pound plates oh, yeah. on each side to break in all the seams. Now you can't do that. Wow. <laughs> yep. I remember you those jerseys. It, if you watch on YouTube, Debo put up a, a picture of uh, Rick Spielman's jersey from the 80s. The Rick Spielman <laughs> special is what Debo calls it. And if you grew up in the 80s like I did, that looks very familiar, like the health health class, the health books. You used to have those little short shorts with the stripes on them and the pipe socks. Oh, man. Do you guys remember the one bar Well, the one bar coming down the middle yep. with the, the, the little two bars at the bottom? Yeah, that was to protect your nose. <laughs> oh, that was so ugly. That's that not was the birdcage, though. Ugly. Think, like Larry, so Larry Zonka had the two bars, but then he had the little like hook at the top. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know and then you, could, 
Yeah, you could throw in the uh, tube neck roll and then use the double tape them so you had two. <laughs> oh, two. Man, look at that. That is back in the day. And you know yeah. you're a bad dude, B-Mac, if you're a cornerback or a safety wearing a neck roll. <laughs> no question. No question. <laughs> All right, so you guys know B-Mac, and if you don't, he's our, he work, we work with him at CBS Sports HQ, and he's also the co-host of All Things Covered with a guy that Rick signed in Minnesota, Pat P., Patrick Peterson, who is now with the Steelers. And by the way, Rick, do you know what number Pat P is wearing in Pittsburgh? Uh, seven. If you look behind BMAC there, you can see it. Number 20. He's wearing BMAC's old number. Oh, he is. Oh, is that a dedicated season to BMAC? No question. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, hey, Ryan, did you hear Rick's initial answer? He said seven. Rick, you know seven is seven. untouchable in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know. Well, do you know who seven is, Rick? Yeah, it's it's Roethlisberger, but oh, okay. I didn't know if we paid him an extra some extra coin that uh, you know those guys uh, B Mac and him made a lot of a lot of coin while they were playing, and I didn't know if he was going to buy seven this for a year or two or not. I will mm. say this: if he was wearing number seven from the twenty twenty season, it would look like a a little kid wearing a triple X shirt. So that's probably a good thing he went with number twenty. <laughs> that shirt got a little stretched out by the time that career was over. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Calm down, folks. Uh, by the way, a little teaser. Um, Talking about all things covered, BMAX podcast with Pat Peterson. They had the top cornerback in the draft class, according to our rankings, Christian Gonzalez, on the show already. They may have a few more top cornerbacks on the show before the drafts, so check that out. And, uh, Rick, there's more. Stay tuned because on Monday, BMAC will do something that Rick refuses. He will unveil his first mock draft, and you can read it on CBSSports.com. And maybe, Rick, that will push you into doing a mock draft before the draft. Yeah, no, but that will – we'll have to invite him back so I can uh, maybe take a few shots at the mock draft. Hey, Rick, 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 Rick. There will – no shots will be thrown at my mock because my mock is dead on. I tell you what. Well, we got a lot of dollar bets. Uh, I I took time. I took time to make sure – I, I, I get, became the GM of each organization, <laughs> right? And I feel like I have some unexpected trades in there as well. So I can't wait to you guys to see it, especially you, Ryan, because you've done like a thousand mocks. I don't yeah. know, Ryan, how long does it take for you to do one mock? Because it took me about two days. I did a seven-rounder that came out last Monday. That took me all day on Saturday. It was 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Now, first rounder, after you do so many, you can sort of figure out what's going to happen. You, you're switching things here and there. But the first few, uh, when I started back in September, when you guys are are still watching, uh, you know, sp- uh, spring ball tape, those first two t- take a while. Uh, and by the way, BMAC, you can spend all the time you want. Rick is going to destroy it. He don't care. He's out here he trying to care. hurt people's feelings. <laughs> and, and, and we do Thank you for heads little, up. Yeah, we have a little side bet here all the time. And uh, a dollar bets, and so right now I'm like thirty and zero against Ryan on dollar bets. But you know I Rick? will bet you a oh, dollar that your mock draft is under fifty percent correct. I was going to say that. I'm glad you really? said that. So our last, yeah. uh, so I have to do a mock draft on next Thursday. The final, I'll be my final one of 2023, Lord willing. So whatever our last mock draft is, and this means you have to do one, Rick. Whoever gets the most right wins the 100 pennies. So are you willing to go in on that at least, Rick? You don't have to write it down. We'll do it on the show or something. Yeah, we'll talk about it on the side. But I am putting a dollar up that BMAC is not as under 50% in the over-under. I mean, on the I, correct those are not good odds in my favor, though. We just, I'm just, Rick, just be half right. 
You can't get half of them right. <laughs> I don't like those odds. Rick, Rick, am I allowed to share a one dollar bet update? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, you are down two dollars so far. <laughs> oh, you hate to see it. Look the at only that, <laughs> the only two dollars that have been settled, Rick has lost. One of them to Ryan. One of them to Pete Prisco. You lost. Will Will Levis throw at the combine? You said no, and you also thought Jalen Hyatt would be the fastest at the combine, which wasn't even close to happening. Ryan mm. had a hamstring. We didn't take that into account. <laughs> His hamstrings were excuses. Tight. Excuses. <laughs> Rick's had a lot of excuses. I love you. So Rick, you, so you have committed. It sounds like to doing a mock draft of some version. So we'll I did not you. commit. I will just say that I'm betting that. Mac is under 50% correct with his mock. Well, I'm going to have to trick you into doing one. I'll just ask you questions about each team separately, and then we'll put them all together. Will you, hey, good will luck, you good get luck with that, Ryan. Yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> he's like a, it's like trying to deal with an unruly child. Will you get more than 50% right, Rick? Uh, yeah, I will get 75% right. Oh, he said oh, 75%. No, no, no. That's, that's not happening. <laughs> 75%. He's crazy. No. <laughs> that I won't happen. It. All right, so now we got to figure out a way, Debo, to get him to talk about all 31 teams so we can get a pick out of them. That's the next order of business. But for now, we got to get going because Rick's got things to do. He's going to be on, on big boy television in a little bit. So let's talk about these rankings. Did I get over everything? By the way, you can watch us uh, live on YouTube, as always. Uh, thumbs up, please, if you're watching YouTube. That helps us. And subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. And I think we are ready to go. What do you got, Debo? All right, let's get right to the rankings. Let's go. Debo said we got stuff to do. At the top, cornerback sleepers. I'll mention my guy. And, um, Rick, I want to hear about your guy. So my guy is Corey Trice out of Purdue. Big wide, uh, big cornerback. Ran surprisingly well, sub-4-5 uh, during the, the pre-draft process. A little stiff. I think he may have to move to safety, but he offers some versatility. Probably a maybe he goes late day two, but definitely early day three option there. And B Max guy is Juju Brents, the long cornerback out of Kansas State. Has hey, uh, can I has, interrupt for a second? B Mac, it's supposed to be sleepers, guys that are not being talked about. This guy is like seven foot long. He has a eighty-seven thousand inch wingspan, and people are talking about him because he ran fast at the combine. Well. This was something that I did specifically for you, Rick, because I heard you were not high on Brent's the entire process. Yes. And me and Ryan had a conversation about Julius during the season. And I've been high on him. And I remember Ryan got back to me when you guys started working together, traveling, looking at tape. Rick is not high on Brent's. Rick doesn't like Brents for this reason. Rick doesn't like Brents for that reason. <laughs> and I said, you know what? If I'm going to be on with the first pick and we're talking about sleepers, yeah, he might not be a sleeper right now. But for some people like yourself, Rick, you're still sleeping on Julius Brents. So that's why I put him as my sleeper. Uh, he can, you. as long as he doesn't have to cover Quentin Johnson, then he'll be fine. That's but, fair. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. The second game, he had a, he did a real good job against, against he Johnson. Was, he was better, but still, Quentin Johnson went up over top of him a few times. And how can a guy seven foot tall get the, the ball taken off the top of his head like Quentin Johnson did on him? Well, to, to Brent's defense, if you're going to allow a few passes, to be caught, at least allow them to come from the hands of a guy who's going in the first round as well. <laughs> and uh, Rick, in your defense, you did come around on, on Juju over the course of the season. And I did. 
in the pre-draft process. And, and give BMAC your stat that I always mess up about long cornerbacks. Yeah, what we did in Minnesota was we did the analytics and corners that have a wingspan that is greater than 79 inches and his is offensive lineman wingspan. Nine out of the 10 guys have uh, that came out with wingspan of his size led the league or worked the top of the league in PBUs. Mm. And Rick, I'll tell you this. Uh, BMAC was on Tariq Woolen before anyone else last year, too. Uh, he, he pointed that he was going to run fast, and he's a former wide receiver, and he obviously had a, a huge season. He's probably in that list of guys you're talking about. And, Rick, I want to talk about your sleeper real quick. Clark Phillips, the third. I love Clark. Out, Thank out you. Out of Utah. 5'9", uh, 184, rate of four five one. So I think we were higher on him during the fall, and then the, the measurements can't, started coming in, and he wasn't maybe quite as fast as we hoped. Where, where are you on Clark? I think he's going to be a starting nickel. I don't know if he's going to be able to line up outside with that speed, but this kid is one of the most competitive kids that I saw on tape. I know he's undersized. I know he didn't run fast, but he knows how to play football. Hmm. And for a smaller corner, this guy has some unique ball skills. I mean, he gets his hands on a lot of balls. So with the way the offenses are in the NFL right now, and probably 70% of the time they're in some kind of three-wide package, so I would consider this kid almost as a Nick starter, and I think he'll step in and play right away because of his instincts, because I think he is aggressive enough in run support, and I think he's twitchy enough to be able to mirror uh, versus underneath coverage versus those slot receivers. Did you ever hear of him, BMAC? Was that a sleeper, or do you know about him? Well, I know about all these guys, by the way. And number <laughs> number two... I wouldn't necessarily say he's a sleeper, but he's not getting the first round notoriety that some of these other guys are getting because he didn't run 4-4, he didn't run 4-3. I mean, yep. he's faster than 4-5 based on what I've watched. And I just love his, his, his instincts. He's a natural cornerback. It seems like he's been playing cornerback his entire life, uh, the way he's fluid in, in space. And I do believe he's a guy that can play inside or outside. He's shown that ability at Utah. And he's a guy who just competes. I love his techniques and he's, the issue for him, I think, for Clark guys is that this draft in regards to corners, there are so many long, tall guys. I mean, this is probably – and, Ryan, you've been covering the draft for quite some time, and the same can be said for you, Rick. When you talk about the length at the Longer than Ryan, position, but go ahead. <laughs> no question. <laughs> but when you talk about length, man, I, I can't recall seeing a draft with this many six-footers at the cornerback position in quite some time. And that's kind of hurting Clark because he's 5'10". And he didn't really run a, a 40 time like some of these other taller guys have ran. So it's kind of pushed him back a little bit. But whatever team drafts him is going to get good value. So it's he's actually. Down. You know how you, you know a good corner? When they're born, they come out walking backwards. That's when you know you have a corner. <laughs> born to backpedal, no question. <laughs> so, Rick, let me ask you. I don't want to correct you, B-Mac, but uh, uh, Clark came in at 5'9". He's not even 5'10". So I got two questions for you. Uh, one question, one comment for you, Rick. So, number one. Would you feel comfortable putting Clark outside at 5'9"? And number two, his wingspan is 70, 7068, 70 inches and 6'8". Compared that to our guy Juju, which is 82, almost 83 inches. Yeah, no, I think he's a Nick corner all the way. I okay. think he would have, a, a, and I agree with BMAC, I think he's just a better football player than he is going to an athlete in the way he tested at the combine. And I just love his instincts. He just knows how to play the position. 
five nine guys nowadays with the size of the outside guys, I think they have some struggles. I don't think uh, unless they're very unique. Uh, you know, the most unique small corner I was ever around that I thought was one of the best corners that I've ever uh, had on a football team was uh, Antoine Winfield Sr. Mm. That he can play, but he was small, but he can play outside. He played inside and he'd hit the heck out of you. I mean, I don't, I, but I think nowadays the way the games evolved, the way the size of the receivers are on the outside, that this guy is a perfect Nick. Uh, and he's going to play almost just as many snaps as a starter. So, BMAC, before we uh, get to the top five, we'll take a quick break. But before that, I want to ask you about Keely Ringo. Rick and I have talked him to death, the cornerback out of Georgia, uh, six, almost 6'2", six, two, 207, ran a 4.36. Despite all those numbers, his he didn't move at all in the after the combine. In fact, he started to slip a little more. He was first-round conversation, top 10 conversation during the fall. His game didn't match those expectations. Why does he continue to fall? He's stiff. Hmm. That's the issue for Keeley. And Ryan, you remember I talked talk to you about this before his season was over. I felt like he's a better safety than anything. But just watching him throughout the year at Georgia, I'm like, as a corner, having straight line speed is, is, is great. That's a great thing to have. But being able to move, you know what I mean? Bend your knees and move, that's something that he struggles with. And that's where he lost a lot of stock when you talk about looking at the position drills from what we saw at the combine and pro days. And then we watched Keeley. He doesn't seem to be a natural in his pedal. He doesn't seem to be a natural in his space, opening up. His hips are stiff. He plays a little too high from time to time, and that will get exposed consistently on the next level. I love the athleticism. 6'2", two, two, over 200 pounds, 4'3". That's great. Mm-hmm. But then when you turn on the tape and watch him, especially watch him individually in shorts, you're like, wait a minute. He's not as polished as you would like him to be, especially having the first-round consideration that he had throughout his, his, his career in Athens. Now, if there's a coach that can get him to hone into his skills, to become better in his fundamentals, play with low pad level, I think he can be exceptionally well a, a gifted corner. But because of the stiffness, I think you put him in space. You put him in a post. You know what I mean? You allow him to use his God-given ability with his speed to be able to go sideline to sideline, hash to hash. But if you're taking him in the first round, you better have a staff, a defensive back staff that that can get him to be lower, to be more fluid with his hips. Because if he's not able to improve that skill set, it's going to be a tough task being able to cover some of those small, quick, fast, big receivers that he will see Sunday in and Sunday out. The two things, two points to that. Uh, B Mac is one that coach better have a can of oil because this guy is not mm. going to get any looser. I think if your ankle stiff, if you're stiff through, I don't think that's correctable with coaching. You can maybe try to lower his pad level, but to me, either you're stiff or you're not stiff. Like when people compared me to my brother, my brother wasn't stiff. I was stiff as a board. I mean, they invented <laughs> when I ran down on kickoffs during training camp in my mesh jersey because I couldn't even get a jersey for preseason games <laughs> they invented the net so i went and run out of the stadium so the net that goes up in the back <laughs> to catch them they go well let's lower it because rick's coming down on kickoff and he can't stop so i just run right into the freaking net um, like you laid it on an aircraft carrier and the other thing if you're going to move to safety one of the concerns and things we always talked about we did it with cam bynum uh from cal uh when we drafted him uh, a corner out of Cal uh, mm-hmm. two years ago that we moved to safety. 
they have to be very instinctive and they have to be able to communicate on the back end and they have to be extremely intelligent. When we looked at all our analytics, uh, the one thing that stuck out about safeties, they were the smartest guys on the defensive side of the ball besides middle linebackers mm-hmm. because they have to be able to identify and, and adjust coverages, and you know this. Um, but intelligence was a critical factor on us determining whether a corner can actually move over to safety. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the pro day results of thousands, over a thousand players, and the cornerbacks is a long list too. Not surprisingly, Keely Ringo's three cone, which measures your ability, your change of direction, your start stop, 7.21 seconds. And that doesn't mean anything until you compare it to the other cornerbacks. And it ranks about 50th just among the, everyone on the pro day circuit. Rick, I will give you one guess who is number one. It's one of your favorite dudes. It has been for a while. That's in stiffness. No, who has the best three cone? Who is the oiliest, if you will, oh. the most fluid hips? I think I Boy. know this one answer. Well, go ahead, B Mac. He's got Emmanuel Forbes. B Mac, you're not going to believe when I tell you, Rick. This is your dude, Riley Moss. Riley Moss has the best three cone wow. of anybody <laughs> at the pro day. Uh, who did a pro day? Six six. So he's a. More than a half second faster than Keely Ringo in his in his um, three cone. Wow! And I, had, just, I almost threw him, him up there in the sleeper list because no one's talking about him either. Pete wants that to would, That would have been a good choice. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's take a quick choice. break. We'll come back and we'll go over our top five and we'll go through a little quicker here because we we spent a lot of time on the on the pre top five. But that's all right. We'll talk cornerbacks right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, here's what we're going to do. This is crazy, Rick, because we've talked to – Lejay Duzable about the interior defensive line. We talked to Josh Edwards about wide receivers. We talked to our guy Emory Hunt about uh, the running backs. running backs. And by the way, BMAC's had a bone pick with Emory Hunt because he has the same grade on Anthony Richardson as he does yeah. on Bryce Young. Is that right? He Yeah. He, Bryce and CJ, he gave Anthony <laughs> Richardson the same grade as Bryce and CJ. Can we get him on this podcast, please? <laughs> Can we do a four? Usually, people after we're on and I and I, I after an hour with me, no one ever comes back. Pete refuses to come back on. Lejay came on twice, but I think he's done now. Rick, <laughs> I'm asking you, have some thick skin. You were a corner. If you get beat, just come I'm, back. I'm ready to come back. back. <laughs> I'm ready to come back and figure out what Emory is looking at to give <laughs> Anthony the same grade as CJ and Bryce, based yeah. on what they've done playing college football. Help me understand that. So That's I don't it. want to get too far down this road, Rick, but I'll ask you for your quick answer. If you're in the draft room and this conversation comes up and you talk about that everyone has to be respectful, what are you saying to Emory when he says something like that? 
I appreciate wait, wait my son, <laughs> I do with you. I appreciate all, all the hard work and energy that you put into this. <laughs> you ain't saying that to him if he said that in the draft room. Are you gonna pull him aside and say, listen, man, you gotta quit talking like that? No, I don't wanna... I don't no, I, I like that because that'll create a conversation in the draft room. We're having Embry on tomorrow, so we're going to ask him about it. And BMAC, I don't know what your schedule is tomorrow. You can coordinate with Debo if you want to come on for five (laughs) minutes to give Emory the business, but we would love to have you uh, have Emory explain to you your concerns. So anyway, top five cornerbacks, and my point when I mentioned all the guys that have been on to talk about all the different positions is that we've had variations in what people believe, and we had Pete Prisco on as well to talk offensive line and tight ends. This list of the top five corners – Person to person, all three of us agreed with the list. So I'll just go through the list, the top five, work from the five and work to the number one, and then we'll talk about a couple so we can make sure we get these safeties as well. And uh, BMAC, you just mentioned Emmanuel Forbes out of uh, Mississippi State. Six feet, almost six one, 166, but ran into the four threes. And Rick talked about him in the fall, about his ball skills. And BMAC, give me the stat you gave us last week on Network about Emmanuel Forbes. You remember it? Yes, I do remember it. All right. <laughs> In three years at Mississippi State, Six pick sixes. I mm. mean, he's caught six and he's returned six for touchdowns and three years, a total of 18 interceptions. This is a guy who's always around the football and I can care less about him being 166. He played at a high level in the SEC, played against top tier like talent at the wide receiver position. And since day one, he jumped on campus. He created turnovers. He left creating turnovers. That's just who he is. Rick, is there anything analytics that you guys learned about ball skills in terms of interceptions in college transferring to the league? Yeah, I learned it from, to be honest with you, uh, from Nick Saban and defensive back play. And the one thing he emphasized was ball skills. And uh, Mike Zimmer, Coach Zimmer, did the same thing. Every one of the defensive coaches I've been around emphasized ball skills because you can be in position, but if you can't locate the ball, they're still catching the ball on you. But you have to have, whether that's instinctual, I don't know if you can train that better. I think it's a little more instinctual. You can be in great position, but if you can't find the ball in the air, then mm-hmm. you're going to have issues. This kid, Forbes, can find the ball in the air. He looks like a receiver when he goes up mm. and gets the ball. And uh, I, I love this kid in the fall. I didn't know. I saw him play live uh, against Alabama. When I saw his legs, I was like, this guy is a stick figure. <laughs> but he doesn't play like that. And even for 166 pounds, he'll throw his bag of bones in any pile. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to come up and run support. Uh, but he is just naturally instinctive corner that knows how to find the ball in the air. And I, I really think, like uh, Rick, it. would you take him in the first round? Yes. I, you know who this kid reminded me of, BMAC? And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, when I was down in Miami, uh, Sam Madison. Mm. Uh, Sam was a skinny corner, uh, but Sam had really good ball skills. We had Madison and, and uh, uh, Sertain. Sertain. Yeah. Yep. Did you have a comp, B-Mac? I thought you had a comp for Emmanuel Forbes, too. Did you? Uh, Yeah, Fred Smoot. Oh, oh yeah. That's Freddie. Yeah, had Fred Smoot, who also went to Mississippi State as well. Remember, he was a little – he wasn't as skinny as Emmanuel, but he was a light guy. Played with a, a, a lot of confidence, similar to Emmanuel Forbes. A very, very uh, technique sound guy and just competed. Just really loved to compete. And that's who Emmanuel Forbes is as well. And I'm right there with you. I think he will go in the first round. Just running that 4-3-5 was something he needed to do being that light. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be that light, you better be fast. 
and add in the ball skills, which not a lot of cornerbacks have, and that's why they're, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, B-Mac, but that's a lot of times why you're playing it's the cornerbacks. Truth. It's yeah. the truth, no question. The guys that have great ball skills, they get paid big dollars. It's the same for guys who can who can get sacks. Mm-hmm. If you can get sacks, you're going to get paid. If you can get turnovers, you're going to get paid. And that's who he is. Creating turnovers becomes a habit. You know, either you create that habit or you build on that habit. He's been able to do both. Yeah, I think first round is a real possibility. I've heard that he's – and maybe you said the same thing, Rick, but he's he's moving on up the board. Uh, at four, we both – all three of excuse me, have Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Uh, in the fall, I was focused on his teammate, Jacorian Bennett, who plays on the other side, who had a really good season. But Tay, as he, go, as he goes by, Tay Banks, I think he did himself a lot of favors. And, Rick, we've talked to him for months now as a first-rounder. And I'm guessing – if you like Emmanuel Forbes in the first round, B-Mac, you also like Tay Banks in the first round. No question. He's going first in my mock. I can't tell you what team I will allow you guys to see that on Monday. But, <laughs> yo, yo, Bank- Banks is a baller. He plays with a lot of swag. I love that he wants to tackle as well. The thing about cornerbacks and Rick studying the position is for as long as you've done as a GM, there are a lot of corners that tackle because they have to. Then you have some corners that tackle because they want to. He's one of those want-to type guys in regards to tackling. And just his skill set. You talked about in the beginning of the season, yes, Bennett was getting all the attention coming into the season for Maryland in the secondary. But then when you turn on the tape, Banks continued to flash. He continued to be where he needed to be, consistency, locating the football in the hip pocket of every wide receiver he was covering. And then when he went to the combine, wow, I mean – Six foot, almost 200 pounds, ran 4'3", jumped well, looked good in his drills. I mean, that was the stamp of approval he needed to, he needed to get. And because of that, he will hear his name called in the first round. And some corners don't want to tackle, refuse to tackle, and aren't willing to tackle. So this dude is the exact opposite of that. I mean, it's just, I I had a tough time trying to make some pro comparisons with these corners. And this may be way off base, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. I put him uh, similar to Xavier Howard when he came out. Xavier, mm. you know what's funny? Xavier ran slow somehow, which is yeah. you don't you the don't Baylor, know to watch yeah, him play. He didn't run as fast, but he didn't I run thought, fast. But well, I thought uh, they had some similarities. My comp, based on the speed and and just you know his body structure and how put together he is, I gave him Pat P. Oh, oh wow! Did you see that? You see that, Rick, at all? Pat P was pretty unique. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's going to be Pat P, but I, that's why Xavier Howard was a well-built corner, too, Yeah, that I thought uh, played a lot of man and when he came out of Baylor and did a lot of good things. But, so Xavier uh, was 6 feet, 201. He, he, gosh, he ran a 4, 5, 8 somehow. But he is long, 33, vertical. I think um, Tay's vertical is a little better than that. Devo, I mean, as um, – Mac was talking about here, but I think the size comparison fits. And I mean, if he plays anywhere close to Xavier Howard, that's a home run as well. Cause Xavier was a second no round question. pick, I believe. Right. Yeah. He won the second round. All right. Let's go to number three here. Joey Porter jr. And Rick, let me ask you a question. Cause Joey Porter jr. Checks every box. And you know, I've, I've used this for just different position players, but when you're building this player in the lab, this is what a cornerback in today's NFL looks like. Um, he ran the four, five, one, 40, which he wasn't happy about. He ran it again and got 446 in the pro day, 6'2 and a half, 193, 34 inch arms, 80 and 7 eighths 
wingspan, almost 81, so longer than Juju Brents. But when you see at the combine and you see at the pro day, he didn't do the three cone or the short shuttle. What does that say to you? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to discredit these kids because more and more, and I don't know if the agents are having influence on whether they're doing the shuttles or not. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to discredit him for that, but you'd love to see his shuttles because the one thing that I do see in him is at times on in breaking routes, he has a tendency to drift a little bit instead of breaking with the receiver, uh, when they make that in cut or any type of that. But, uh, I love this kid's physicality. I love his press man ability. So I, 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 you know, people are going to start knocking him down the, the, the ring, the draft here because of the four five one speed. But I think he's a unique physical corner and he does get a little, uh, handsy, but they all are handsy when college cause college lets them get away with it, but they won't get away with it with the pros. And it but sounds I, like you're least concerned about the handsy part. If you can do everything else, you can fix the hands. Yeah. You just put boxing gloves on them during practice. That's what I've seen all the DB coaches do. Right. They can't grab them. <laughs> Uh, so he, he won't name names, although he may have named names eventually by accident. We'll have to figure that out who that player was. I think we know, BMAC, I'll tell you in a second. Unless, <laughs> unless Debo informs me that he, Rick, told himself in a previous podcast that we just forgot about it. Uh, so let me ask you, BMAC, when, when you hear Rick say things like he drifts sometimes on in-breaking routes, what does that mean to you? Uh, just not as comfortable as covering in space. Um, the thing about Joey Porter Jr., if you watch him a lot, he plays so much press technique, which is great. You know what I mean? But then that creates a comfort zone that you always go to. But you don't really see him play a lot in space in regards to off technique. And that's because I don't you know. I don't know exactly the defensive scheme in, 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 there at Penn State, but you didn't see that a lot. I think for him, mastering one thing is always great, but you got to be able to f- focus on, on your weaknesses as, as well. And that was a similar concern I had with uh, Okuda when he came mm-hmm. out of Ohio State not playing in a lot of space. You know what I mean? So when you get to the next level, you might play press technique 50% of the times. The other 50, you might be called to be off and playing in space. So you got to be able to use, utilize your eyes, have proper disciplined eyes, not to mention your pedal got to be sound and your transition out of your pedal got to be sound. So athletically, he's a gifted guy, extremely athletic, but just not being comfortable doing one thing can make you look out of wax when you actually try to do it because you're not used mm. to doing it. So right. that's why in regards to coaching, high school, collegiately, coaches need to emphasize things that kids don't, they're not used to doing. Because if they have any aspirations of getting to Sunday, by the time you get to Sunday, coaches don't hone in on fundamentals as much as you think they do because they're trying to get the game prep ready. They're trying to go ahead and get, make sure everybody knows exactly what they need to do. By the time you get to Sunday, Rick, you know about this, they expect you to know how to do certain things already and do them well. And if you don't, you got to utilize your personal time to improve on that skill set. So that might be the one concern I have in regards to Joey Porter Jr., just being able to get comfortable doing something that he didn't do a lot at Penn State because of what their scheme called him to do. But if you factor in this, the length, the measurables, the competitive nature he displays, I mean, he gets to the right, he gets in the right system. Uh, he's going to do numbers. You know who he reminds me of? And I like to go back in time and sh- give guys flowers that we don't usually talk about anymore. Dale Carter. Oh, oh man. man. That's he who he reminds me of. Dale Carter can run, though. Yeah. And he, yes, he, that can run. And, and, and Porter can run also, you know what I mean? Because if you look at the tape, no one is getting behind him. Look at some of the guys he's covered, especially from Ohio State. No one is getting around, getting behind him 
but his length, yeah. man, 34 for Kansas City. By the way, Rick, do you remember what school Dale Carter went to? College? He went to a, was he? I know he had some issues in college, so I can't remember if he bounced around a little bit. Was it a small school? Tennessee. Yeah, but didn't he go somewhere before there? He was always at Tennessee. I think he was always at Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. That's uh, that's one of uh, BMAC's little party tricks. He can tell you where any player in human history went to college. Not any player, but just a few. Oh, don't sell yourself. Corners. Yeah. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Dale Carter. That's a good comparison. I was almost a little bit Xavier Rhodes-like. Uh, yeah. And maybe yeah. Isaiah Oliver-like. Um, but because they're big physical guys that – and. If these guys get your their hands on a receiver at the line of scrimmage, they're not moving. And the one thing that I've learned from DB coaches was disrupt the route because it disrupts the timing with the quarterback. So if you're impressed and you get your hands on a receiver, that's disrupting the route. And we would watch uh, two corners that were impressed. One would give a guy a free release and one would press him at the line of scrimmage. And there was almost a two or three yard difference of the receiver getting upfield into his routes when you can disrupt the receiver at the line of scrimmage. And I would imagine that's based whether your decision is to do that or not is based on the athleticism of the cornerback and, and the physicality and how much you trust him, right? Well, a lot of it's technique. BMAC, okay. I mean, they're not, you know, Deion Sanders going to do that staggered stance and jam you, but these big physical corners, one advantage they have if they stay square to the receiver. Um, and are able to get their hands on a receiver really affects the timing with the quarterback, with the receiver getting upfield in the routes. Uh, our buddy Dominic the Blind leaves a, a comment on the YouTube live YouTube show. Rick must really respect BMAC, hasn't made fun of him for his comp yet, like he does Ryan. LOL. Well, yeah, think- BMAC played, I was a training camp Hall of Famer, and Ryan, <laughs> you were, I, I was a division one <laughs> baseball player, Rick. I've told you that before. <laughs> Disrespecting me. And as I told BMAC, I played second base. The shortstop on our team was the quarterback that threw touchdown passes to Mike Tomlin. You didn't know that fun fact, Rick. Wow. He got That's drafted. a fun fact for sure. He got drafted by the Padres. He came over there, and I'd never seen someone run a 4-4 in person. He was 5'10", about one. He was about 165, and he could throw the ball 65 yards in the air easy. And I saw him run down the first baseline. I was like, oh, that's what a that's what a real athlete looks like. So that was a uh, eye-opening moment for me. All right, let's go to number two again. We're all consensus on this. And this guy, you know, we've all liked him in the fall. And he's his draft stock has risen. Devin Witherspoon, cornerback, Illinois, played on a really good Illinois defense with a lot of dudes didn't get drafted. Uh weighed 181 at the combine, I believe. Weighed 185. Uh, in recent days when he worked out and ran a 4-4. I don't know if that's official or not, but he plays fast. And any concerns about his weight, Debo? Because uh, because we know that he will absolutely run over people. He plays like he's a strong safety. No concerns. Um, the thing about Witherspoon, he's 185, but when you look at his body, he's well put together. Extremely solid, solid ripped. You can tell he wrote, he's in the weight room, put it in work, and he has a nice foundation as well. So that's what woed a lot of people and surprised a lot of people during his pro day because he worked out without his shirt on, and everybody got a chance to see exactly how well put together and solid he is. And then when you factor in what he actually ran, oh, man. I mean, you love everything about this kid. He is probably the most confident corner 
in the draft. And he's not afraid to tell you how good he is and what he will do to opposing receivers. And some people might not like that type of attitude, but if he's doing what he's supposed to do, whatever gets him going, allow that, allow him to get himself going. And, and when you talk about just being physical, I mean, he's the best tackling defensive back. Forget yep. corner. He's the best tackling defensive back in the draft. The way he approaches laying the blow to an opposing ball carrier, man, I just don't know. I hope he don't get fined a lot because he's the type of driver, he don't buckle his seatbelt. When he's in there, he's going, and he don't have any regard for his body or the person who he's hitting. That's the type of player he He's a tone setter, point blank. So he, I should mention, by the way, Deontay Banks, we like him going to the first round. I think Joey Porter goes in the first round. doesn't slip there. So obviously Devin Witherspoon goes to the first round as well. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, and I'm hearing that since he ran, this dude may be the number one corner off the board. There's a lot of mixed reviews on which corner is going to come off between him and Gonzalez. And the reason I'm saying that is because of what BMAC just stated, is that this dude is a tone center. And it's hard to find a corner that will be a tone setter for your defense. Now, I'm not comparing him, but I mentioned him earlier. They're not the same size, different type players, but as a tone setter, Antoine Winfield Sr. would rack you, and mm. this kid will rack you as well. So I had a tough time. I don't know, B-Mac, if you came up with a pro comparison because it's hard to find corners that can cover and zone and man and then support the way he does. I, I, I had a real tough time finding the guy as complete as this player is. Uh, for me, my comparison that I gave Witherspoon, just in regards to coverage, not overall DB comparison, but in coverage, he reminds me of Darius Slade in coverage. Okay. Uh, the way he covers. Clearly, Slade does not hit like no. Witherspoon. <laughs> like, Witherspoon is a... Witherspoon is an old school. He's like a Jack Tatum type DB. That's the type of fire <laughs> and, and anger he plays with in regards to tackling. But in coverage, if you watch him in his pedal, quick feet. Oh, my goodness, his feet are so quick. His transition is so smooth. It just, bam, it happens. He's not thinking about it. You see no hesitation when he, coming out, when he comes out of his pedal. And that tells me he's been working on it. He's been working on it. He's been working on it. It's like second nature. It's like walking left, right, left, right, left, right. <laughs> That's how he is in space. And the same can be said at the line of scrimmage. So just coverage-wise, he reminds me a lot of this, uh, a big play slate. You talk about his transition, how smooth it is. But in regards to just tackling, I, I, I couldn't find a comp for him because the game has changed so much. If you want to find someone that tackles like Witherspoon, you got to go back years ago, probably the closest – corner would be Antoine Winfield senior yeah that's yeah, a, that's yeah. the only comparison I was able to make from a tackling standpoint and don't forget this guy does have ball skills I saw the two interceptions in the Northwestern game so this guy he's a he's one of the most if not the most complete corner in this year's draft hey yeah. Rick let me ask you do you guys have conversations about um, players that maybe talk too much smack or you don't care about that if they're good football players if they're a corner of the talk smack that's uh, they get a plus. Okay. Because well, I why, know why is if, that, Rick? Why why would you give I them a plus? I know uh, if they get beat, they're more than likely going to come back the next play and and try to choke the guy out at the line of scrimmage, <laughs> uh, because they're so competitive. But 
they're the type of corners that if they do get beat, it doesn't carry on for four or five more plays. Right. That's the one thing about corners, and we try to measure that in our analytics with all the testing that we did, is that dudes that had a short-term memory that got beat, let's say they got beat on a touchdown, he was coming back the next play and, 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 and going to fight you. This yeah. kid does that. Yeah. I mean, if he gets beat, he don't care. He's a, he'll say, let's go, let's put, put, put the ball out there, let's go again. He's not going to back down from anybody. Rick, Some that's why you love competitors. That have all the skill set, but it affects them mentally when they get beat and they can't get back uh, to where they're not affected by getting beat. Those are the corners that actually end up failing, in my opinion. All right, I'm going to ask you both this question and just give me a short answer so we can get to number one here. If you're sitting there at seven and you're the Las Vegas Raiders and you're not trading out and Devin Witherspoon's sitting there and you have huge needs, are you taking him at, le- at that high? Is that too high to take Devin Witherspoon? No. Rick? No? no. BMAC? I agree. I agree. It's not he'll that He'll be in the top ten. I'll bet anyone a dollar he'll go in the top ten. You, By the way, you're losing dollars, so you might want to be careful. <laughs> he's already in debt. He's already Rick in is debt. already in debt. All right, so look, I, I agree with you guys. I think he'd go top ten, and he's – I agree with what you guys have said about the way this young man plays. There's a young man for you. But let me ask you this, B-Mac, because number one, consensus Christian Gonzalez. Why is Christian Gonzalez – how is he better than Devin Witherspoon based on what you just explained to me? It's about the measurables. Oh. 6-2, 4-3. Ball skills. 6-2, 4-3. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like one thing about the game of football and basketball – when you have a big guy that can do little guy things, that means something. And nowadays, when you look at these wide receivers, not saying that because you're shorter, you would be a liability, but when you're covering 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", and you're 5'9", you're 5'10", you're 6'0", I mean, it could be an issue. But we don't usually see a lot of guys be the height of 6'1", 6'2", running 4'3", and they're fluid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Christian Gonzalez, you know, we talked about Keely Ringo and some of the stiffness and concerns with that, the, 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 the movement in space, playing a little too high from time to time. He's 6'2", but he ran 4'3", right? But his bend, the way he moves in space, is not what you would like to see at a cornerback. And then, of course, because of his height, then some, some people may say, well, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a 6'2 guy. This is a guy who moves like a little corner. The way he bends his knees, he plays with nice uh, uh, pad level, you would think he's 5'10". And by the so way, B-Mac, a, his vertical, 41 and a half inches. Yeah, so it's a personal preference at the end of the day. I think either guy could be the first corner to come off the board. So, but Rick, if you're, t- if oh, you're telling ahead, me ahead, you got one corner, 6'2", ran 4'3", you got another corner, Six foot, ran four three, and they both move just alike in drills. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a toss up, but that's why he's my number one. Six All two right. four three eight forty one. Got hot tape. Looks good in his <laughs> drills. Does everything you want him to do, and he's an all around coachable guy. And by the way, B Mac and, and Pat P talked to Christian Gonzalez on on the on the podcast, all things covered. So you can check that out. But Rick, I'm going to pose the same question to you again. If you're sitting there at seven and you have the choice between Devin Witherspoon, who has plays with an edge and is not afraid to, afraid to flap his gums. And you have Christian Gonzalez sitting there as well. 
Who are you taking? That's a that's a that's something that will be discussed at length in a meeting because I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. The only thing that I would say is that Gonzalez had when he was at Colorado, people questioned if he had any ball skills because I don't think he had any production. Then he goes and has the four interception, I believe, when he transfers to Oregon. So right. he checks that box. It's just the difference is he is not as physical as Weatherspoon. Weatherspoon may be a more complete overall corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he may lean that way. That's why I think some teams have put Weatherspoon ahead of Gonzalez. But Gonzalez is unique as well. He's just not as physical He'll tackle. He's not a. Uh, you don't have to shame him in the tackling. I think he's willing <laughs> enough to tackle. To shame him, huh? Weatherspoon. You don't have to shame him to do anything. He can go tackle his grandmother if he has a chance. No what question. You're, what you're saying, B Mac? You rather say uh, woe than sick him? Sick him. There it is. I rather say woe than sick him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Devin Witherspoon all day. No question. You got to tell him, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to calm down a little bit. <laughs> those are the problems you want, though. You want those problems. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And, Rick, we're going to let you go a little early because Rick's got some some uh, things he's got to take care of. And He's Rick, too uh, busy for us, right? He is That's way okay, too Rick. busy for us. And then BMAC and I will run through these safeties real quick, and I'll let you know how that goes because uh, I'm going to say – I'm gonna make. I'm gonna change all your picks so it makes you look like you don't know what you're talking about, Rick, because you're not gonna be here to defend yourself. That's perfect because I'll was re-listen to this podcast <laughs> and then I'll come back on and we'll have a re-re-podcast to correct all the things you guys are going to say wrong over the next uh, <laughs> 20 minutes here. But great news, Rick will be back tomorrow for Mock Draft Thursday with our guy Emory Hunt, and we're going to call him out on some things. Then, Rick, we'll take a quick break and then we'll see you. We'll hey, see you tomorrow. Have a good yep, time. BMAC, uh, you get a with the first pick. T-shirt from Debo. Every guest uh, is, will get well, a you. first pick T-shirt. We didn't get. Why a is Ryan shaking his head? Because you ain't getting no T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. <laughs> By the way, before we take the break, quickly, Rick, all things covered. They have so much gear; it is crazy. I, every time I see B Mac do a HQ hit, he's got a different sweatshirt on, a different golf shirt on. We have one shirt that we have to share. We're, we're just a small little podcast, just trying to muddle our way through this thing. Just trying to get up with the uh, All Things Covered podcast. Eventually, we'll get there, Ryan. We just need to continue to work hard, and people need to respect everything that we do uh, to get ready for this podcast. All right, Debo, let's go to commercial. (laughs) This is enough. Take care, Rick. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, B-Mac, just me and you now. We're going to talk yes, a little sir. safeties here, and I'll talk about our safety sleepers real quick. Uh, my guy was Jordan Howden out of Minnesota, and I know teams like him a lot. Not much talk about him in the media, but he has a chance to get drafted. 
pretty early on day three, I think. Uh, he ran at 449, which gets your attention. Rick's guy was DeMarco Helms out of Alabama. He's keeping true to his his Bama pride there. And let's talk about your guy, Chris Smith, out of Georgia, because he he is a fun dude. And we, you know, Keely Ringo doesn't have the season he wants, perhaps. But I feel like Chris Chris Smith did a lot of things to help himself. No question. Man, Chris Smith, the issue for him, he's not as athletic in regards to speed as some of his peers. Four, he's, six, a foot, he's a football player, man. Mm-hmm. He's a football player. He communicates extremely well in the back end. He he has a physical style. He tackles. He understands angles. He's where he needs to be, regardless of the lack of speed that you would like him to have. I mean, he's a pure football player. And I see his name getting called anywhere probably in day three to day four. But whoever gets Chris Smith, they're getting a big-time football player who communicates and he knows the game of football. And he played a lot of deep safety, too, even though that four six two speed. And before I knew what he ran at the combine, I had him as uh, like a, a late fourth, early fifth. Mm-hmm. And I know the four six two sticks out. But to your point, you watch him play, my man's making plays. Um, no and, and I'll give you Rick's notes on him, because Rick talked about this before. He was at the Senior Bowl. Um, undersized, but a better player than athlete. He's super smart. Relies on smarts and savvy. Good ball skills. Uh, he can struggle downfield when isolated sometimes, but that's not rare for that's not uncommon for for safeties. And, and he had a good year. So basically, all the things you talked about there that showed up on tape. But I, I think he, again, he's a football player. Um, golly, who was the safety that came out of Ohio State and got drafted by the Rams a few years ago? And they made it. They made him start right away because he was so smart. He didn't test well. I have to check his name real quick. Uh, but just an example of a guy. Just because you're not a first round pick or even a day two pick doesn't mean that you don't have an opportunity to, to have success in the NFL early if you are smart and play a position where you need to be smart. Jordan Fuller is who I'm thinking about. Fuller, yeah. Yeah, and and that dude was smart as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a similar type uh, situation for Chris Smith when he gets drafted. All right, let's talk about these safety rankings here. These are all aggregate rankings. Guys that uh, BMAC turned in his top five guys, me and Rick did the same, and then Debo added them up, and, and we'll go that way. So we had a three-way tie for number five. Jair Brown out of Penn State, he ran a four five eight. I think that was his best time when he re-ran it as pro day. So the speed thing, that'll be a question, just like we said with Chris Smith. Quay Martin, he played mostly in the slot at Illinois alongside Devin Witherspoon and, and uh, Cindy, Cindy Brown, the safety out of Illinois. That dude can ball. I love Quay Martin. And he feels more like a slot corner to me, but I know sometimes we put these nicks, as, as Rick calls them, in, in the safety conversation. And then J.L. Skinner out of Boise State. I want to ask you about J.L. Skinner because he's my number three, and he doesn't like to tackle BMAC, and that's a concern coming downhill. Like, he plays in the slot. He can play a little deep. He'll play close to the line scrimmage. He's versatile. But when you have a safety that sometimes looks like he ain't even having a conversation with himself about tackling, that's a problem for me. Did you see that? Because I know you liked him a little bit. I love his length, his size. His he has he has real good ball skills, and you talked about tackling. One thing that I noticed about him, if you don't see him, he's coming. And okay. sometimes when the ball carrier sees him, you see a sense of hesitation just a little bit. I need you to put your foot on the, on the gas, right? At, by any means necessary, the same gas that you're utilizing when the ball carrier don't see you. Use the same gas when they see you. Now, granted, you got to break down because you don't want to just get shook out of your shoes. But right. just no hesitation. And sometimes you see a small glimpse of hesitation here or there. But if he goes into the right system, 
similar to what we're seeing right now. He reminds me of J. Ron Curse from okay. Dallas. Yeah. Remember, got drafted by Rick to Minnesota. Didn't really work out as well for both sides. He goes to Dallas. They found the proper way to utilize what he does best. And now he's become a big time contributor for their defense in blitz concepts and coverage, you know, utilizing him in posts in the box. And I think Skinner can have the same type of production if he goes into the right system. No, I think that's right. And that's a great point that you made about um, tackling, because I remember texting a scout last year about Kair Elam, who didn't like to tackle in the run support. And I said, what's going on here? He said, sometimes guys don't trust themselves as tacklers. Like they can be great in terms of being physical downfield in the route, but they don't trust themselves as tacklers in the run support. And that, that doesn't mean that they don't want to do it, but sometimes you just don't have that confidence. Yeah. And as you know, being that confidence is a big part of, of, of playing defensive back. No question. No question. All right. Let's talk about you do Jamie Robinson out of Florida state ran a four, five, nine, five, 10 to six, eights, almost five, 11, 194. Um, played a lot of two deep, uh, can play a little slot. What do you think? What do you think about Jamie? He's four, number four on our list. I love his game. I love Jamie's game. He he got better throughout his time in Tallahassee. He improved. Heck, if I'm not mistaken, he they, his teammates voted him Senior Bowl MVP during the week of prep, right? Oh, I'll double check. I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I think he got voted MVP. Uh, uh, the award, I guess, the teammates voted on for the guy who had the best week during the Senior Bowl. I think he received that award. Uh, he tackles well. Is very very versatile. Um, Plays faster than what his 40 time says, you know, and, and, and he under he's an undersized guy compared to some of these other guys, but he plays bigger than his measurables. I would just practice. love to see him improve on his ball skills. Go ahead. Practice player of the week. You're right. Senior bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, he communicates. He knows the game. Um, he reminds me a lot in just regards of just knowing the game, a little bit of Tyron Matthew. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just a guy who's who uh, his above the shoulder game is really impressive. And he might not be the six foot, six two, six three guy who's running a four 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 three at the safety position, but he still can give you the same type of production. And Ty- Tyron didn't run fast either. Tyron ran, he like ran four, four five. Yeah, he did yeah. okay. He yeah. may have improved on that number. All right, number three on our list. I just mentioned him, Sidney Brown. Uh, saw it off is how Rick likes to describe shorter players. But you watch Sidney Brown play, and he's better close to the line of scrimmage than deep. But he ran in the four fours, and I didn't know if he was going to run that fast just because he plays safety. But you talk about um, his teammate Devin Witherspoon popping people. Sidney Brown will pop you too, and he pops tight ends, and he will come <laughs> downhill. He will set the edge if you need him to set the edge. The only issue is he's he's shorter. He's on the shorter side. But, man, the way he plays, I got uh, to a – what's his name? Uh, Hufanga, the, the 49ers crazy guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, yeah, I get yeah. Hufanga vibes. Hufanga's a little bigger, but I think Sidney Brown has a chance to be a better player. Yo, I got a, I, I got the perfect NFL comp for Sidney Brown. Let's hear it. Bob Sanders. Oh, Bob Sanders. Bob yep. Sanders. A compact safety, loves to be around the box, no hesitation. He sees ball, he's going to get it, and he he has no care for his body. No care for his body. And you talk about a guy that can saw that opposite leg off. That's what they used to talk about in regards to tackling as defenders. The guys in the secondary coach used to emphasize, I need me, I need to have DBs that don't mind sawing that opposite leg off. Because if you go mean? attack the mean? opposite leg, you're not going to miss the tackle. Gotcha. Don't, don't 
focus on the nearest leg to you. Try to go get the opposite leg, the the the, the furthest leg away from you because you won't miss a you won't miss a tackle. Right. And that's who he is. He was saw that opposite leg all the way off of any ball carrier. And he gives me some Bob Sanders vibes. That's that's for real. And I don't know if it was you, B-Mac, or someone that played during Bob Sanders' time because it was a short time because, as you mentioned, he was small and he threw his body around and his injuries caught oh, up yeah. with him. But I, I remember someone saying that that was one of the best players they ever faced. Man, Bob Sanders was real. It was he, he, he was the tone setter for that defense. You know how good he was? He was a second-round pick, and he, he was he was I think he was the last holdout of that I think 2004 is when he was drafted. I think a year before you came out. Mm-hmm. I think he was the last guy to sign because he, he, I think he was the one that first round money. But back then, that was before the CBA where you everything was slotted. But yeah. he was a second round pick that held out the last dude that, to, to not sign his contract. And if he had, were able to stay healthy, you would imagine he would have found his way to the Hall of Fame because he was, he was a game changer. All right, let's no talk question. about Antonio Johnson, Texas A&M, safety. And I'm sort of surprised... I thought he had first round talent, and I had a couple teams say, Yeah, he's not going to be in the first round. I still don't understand why. 6'2, 198. He can play in the slot. He can play deep. He can play uh, middle of the field if you want him to, sort of off ball position. And he likes to hit people as well. 4'5'2, which is plenty fast for that position. I feel like it, why aren't we talking more about Antonio Johnson? Well, number one, safeties don't usually go in the first round. They're kind of devalued in regards to first-round recognition. And number two, if there is a safety to go in the first round, it probably will be only be one guy. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the safest thing to say in regards to any draft, right? Name me the last time we had a draft where two safeties went in the first round. I can't off the top of my head. I mean, we got to do our research, but off the top of my head, <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> I can't either. So I think that's... That's going to knock a guy like Antonio Johnson, but I do see him going in the second round. A rangy guy plays with a toughness uh, that you want your safety to have. He reminds me, and I think he's more athletic than this guy, but he reminds me of Kyle Duggar a little bit. Oh, you think he's more athletic than Duggar? I think so. Yeah, and Duggar was a real good athlete, you know what I mean? But he reminds me a lot of Duggar. And the thing about Durga that I like, the versatility, being that with that size, you can do a lot with him. And clearly, the Patriots are doing so with him. And I think Antonio Johnson has the same vibes as well. All right. So one last guy on the list. Oh, you know what? Last year, Dax Hill and Lewis, Lewis Seen went in the first round. Dax Hill is more of a slot guy, so I don't know if we want to count him solely as, as a safety. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess officially that, that would be last year. But that... That's a little different. I don't think that counts. 06, according to Debo, we had Huff and Whitner in the first round. Pick seven mm-hmm. and eight. That's, yeah, Whitner. I, what was Huff's first name? Because he was longer. Michael. Michael Huff. Yeah, I think Whitner had, had, had a better career. But, um, yeah, that, that was that's sort of when you started having the move to those athletic safeties that you could be a little versatile with. Michael Huff. Dante Whitner was more old school. All right, our number one guy, speaking of versatile, Brian Branch plays mostly slot. He can play a little deep if you need him to. Blitz off the edge out of Alabama. He ran a 4.58 BMAC. He played way faster than that. You concerned at all about that 4.58? No, no. He plays faster than the 4.58. Extremely smart, versatility, Swiss Army knife, or whatever defense uh, gets their hands on him. Reminds me a lot of CJ Gardner Johnson for the that's Eagles the, from a year ago. That's the one that Rick came up with. And Rick also sort of hinted around Minka. Minka's taller. Minka mm-hmm. played cornerback in college. But Minka has that sort of versatility that you hope Brian Branch has 
uh, in the pros in terms of where he lines up and doing those yeah. sorts of things. And I think he's the only first round safety that we're going to see go. And for he sure. Made, he, for sure. Right he, now. He, I agree. So let me ask you this. Let's say at 17, the the Steelers get, let's say they get Joey Porter Jr. Let's say they get an offensive tackle there. And then at 32, Brian Branch is sitting there. Would you take Brian Branch? Wow. It depends on who else is sitting there as well. Um, you know why I asked you that, B-Mac? Why? Because we're about to end this podcast, and then folks can go to YouTube and see us do a Steelers draft. They'll go through all seven rounds. And maybe Brian Branch goes 17, maybe he goes 32. But you got to go to the old YouTube and watch it there. But for now, B-Mac, I want to thank you for giving us some insights on the defensive backs, cornerbacks, safeties, two-time Super Bowl champ, Brian McFadden. Watch him in all things cover with his dude, his cousin, guy who's going to wear number 20 for the Steelers, Pat Peterson. Yes, sir. Thank you, B-Mac. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, we'll be back Thursday, Mock Draft Thursday, talking with Emmy Hunt. In the meantime, thumbs up, like, subscribe, and all other stuff. See you tomorrow. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.